This is Nicholas Sherwin of Screenshot Productions in San Francisco, California, and you're listening to No Proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. Hey gang, welcome to episode 104 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles. This week on the show, our featured guest is mentalist Vinny DePonto, who has worked extensively with Third Rail projects on pieces like the recently opened Ghost Light, which is now playing at Lincoln Center, and Sweet and Lucky, which turned a lot of heads in Denver not that long ago. But before we get into that, we've got a whole bunch of show coming at you, like more show than usual. Um, You'll see what I mean in a second. But before all that, a word from our sponsors. And our sponsors come to us thanks to Patreon.com. Yes, our Patreon backers are the core sponsors of this show, uh, led by our sustaining supporter, Ross Sigworth, who comes in at the superhero level uh, and thus skips the featured slot every week. Um, you know, there's, there's other featured slots if you want to join Ross at the head of the table. Joining Ross this week in the quest to make... No Presidium, the newsletters, the website, the podcast, all of it, even better, are David Wilson, Andrew Kilkenny, and Catherine, all of whom jumped in this week and really pushed us forward in in a large way. So thank all of you. Seriously. Like we're we're having a great month over there at the Patreon, and we're we're super close to hitting our next goal, which is $300 a month. So I think we can do that before the end of this month. So if you've been holding back, patreon.com slash no proscenium, and just just a dollar, a dollar a month makes all the difference. And we've got we've got uh, some treats coming up next month for the $5 backers um, and above. Because, you know, some things cost money, and uh, may- maybe we've we've done a few things. You'll see. Maybe they're related to the brand new logo that we released this week, which you're seeing on your your pod device right now. Yes, that's the new logo. That's from Dino Nama of Think Tank Gallery. Uh, he's the creative director over there, and uh, I'm so ecstatic that we've entered this new era. Um, speaking of new eras, there's a lot going on right now. And yesterday, um, we dropped something into the world, and I had Lauren Ludwig of Capital W over to tell us about what exactly that is. Let's roll that tape. So we had a little announcement yesterday, didn't Mm -hmm. we? We did. Yeah. A very exciting one. Yeah. Uh, of course, as you know, because I just set it up, I'm talking to Lauren Ludwig of Capital W right now, who's who's actually like on call for Red Flags. That's right. Our yeah. immersive show that's running right now, I'm the person that the actor will call if something goes awry, which it never has and probably never will. Hopefully, let's knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on lots of wood. Yeah, which, exactly. Which, but probably that hurt everybody's ears. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, uh, everybody. Good morning. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so hopefully Lauren's taking just enough time to tell us w- what's going on, which is we got a workshop coming up in July. We do. Um, so I'm so excited uh, that No Proscenium asked me to do this. It's going to be I'm, so fun. I'm so excited you said yeah. you were. Yeah, I'm just very... <laughs> 
What did I make this voice of mine? <laughs> That's the voice you asked me to do it in. I believe it was, actually. <laughs> exactly. That may, may be true. Yeah. Uh, and a voice that maybe hasn't appeared on the show yet. So. Uh, <laughs> good, good. That's a new character you're yeah. debuting today. Um, <laughs> Lots of debuts. Exactly, exactly. The new logo for the first time this episode. Yes, yeah, I like that new logo. But people want to hear about the... the they don't okay. want to hear us do this. They don't want to hear us talk about yeah. the new wave logo. What's, t- what's this workshop we've got you doing yeah so this workshop is a one-day workshop in los angeles where we're going to be diving into some of the performance crafting techniques that we use in capital w's work so i studied uh, i started studying studying sanford meisner's work a, a while ago um and studied with a bunch of different teachers and when i started directing immersive work i discovered that a lot of his tools and techniques were really really helpful for those immersive performances, the ones that really pop. Um, because as you know, as everybody who listens to this podcast has experienced, there's that lack of ability to hide, you know, in the immersive in the yeah. immersive world. Um, so it just demands a different level of performance, a different level of intimacy, a different level of authenticity, uh, I found. Um, and there's a lot of actors that can get there. They just need to be guided. So this workshop is going to be about guiding actors using some tools inspired by Meisner's work and other tools that we made up that uh, riff on his work and go in different directions. Um, we're going to be up on our feet all day doing the exercises with the participants. Um, and by the end of the day, people, I think, are going to have a nice toolbox of things that they can use in their rehearsals. So I'm so, excited. So is this for directors? Is it for actors? Is it for people who don't know how to act like who is this for it can literally be for anybody we're going to start oh, I at like hearing that. yeah totally exactly <laughs> it can be but it's going to start really at square one um and so you really don't have to have had any performance experience or you could be a meisner expert and i think it would still be really interesting because we're going to take the work in a new direction uh towards the immersive space and also towards improvisation which i have found is also essential for basically every immersive show we do at capital w fantastic um, that's that's basically it in a nutshell. Yeah. Like we've got plenty of other things we can talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I, your voice. Like like. <laughs> Sorry. And now it's gonna do like five more. Sorry, and everyone. It's okay. Uh, <sighs> we're we're both tired and giddy for various reasons. Uh, <laughs> mostly, I'm just I. This has been a long time coming. We've been talking about this for months now. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna be down at Basic Flowers, mm-hmm. which is for Lark Space. Such are, a cool space. Are, they're they're such great people, and I'm so happy for us to be there. Yeah. And that's also where we. Did uh, and you were a participant in uh, when Marissa came out and did uh, did her workshop. Yes. So kind of carrying on that tradition, and if, if all goes the way you want it, uh, you know we'll have some other workshops coming in down the line. But this is the kickoff. Yeah. And uh, I'm just excited about us getting like look at you and like we're actually smiling. We're it's, both it's really real. genuinely excited. Yeah. I am. I was thinking today as I was driving over here to talk about this, I was like, gosh, that's just so cool. I'm so excited to go from hearing someone on your podcast to maybe getting to see their work to them being able to take a workshop with them or class with them. I'm just excited for that pathway, getting deeper and deeper into the art yeah. uh, and deeper into this community and yeah. making more connections between members of the community. I think it's just awesome. So I'm stoked for more workshops Yeah, and it's, as well as ours in July. Yeah, absolutely. So July 16th, that's a Sunday. It's going to be from 10 to 5. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's 100 bucks for an all-day thing. Yeah, uh, it's so going to be a blast. If, if, you are, if you've been looking for a, a, a tool set, if you've been trying, if you want to expand your horizons, or if you want to you know, just get, get a deeper handle on this, this, mm-hmm. uh, we definitely feel, God, we're making an ad. Sorry, everybody, but it's, it's worth it. Um, we, we feel like this is a, this is a great jumping off point for that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a super fun time. Really good day. I can't wait. Yay. All right. Back to the rest of the show, or as I might say, Noah, back to you. <laughs> <laughs>
imagine having to live with that guy in your head all the time. I don't have to because I do. Um, thanks again to Lauren for dropping in to tell us all about the workshop. Uh, we are incredibly excited. You can find links to that at nopersinium.com. You can also find it on Everything Immersive and on our Facebook and all the places you usually connect with NoPro. Um, speaking of which, you know, we used to do the news in this segment of the show, and now we're, we're trying to give you more lively versions of the news by bringing in newsmakers. Lauren's definitely a newsmaker. Um, we've got another one in just a second. But if you want to catch up with everything that's happened in Immersive this week, if you want a nice little digest, we do a little thing over at NoPresidium.com every week. It is definitely our most popular article. It's called uh, Everything Immersive This Week. It's named after the wonderful, wonderful Facebook group that uh, almost certainly you're a part of. And if you're not, just go to everythingimmersive.com and you can join the Facebook group. Um, and there we gather articles, uh, ones that No Persinium did. Uh, the podcast is in there. Uh, ones from our friends at places like My Haunt Life and Inside the Magic. All of that are in there, uh, along with just articles we find online, reviews from the New York Times of new shows. You'll find the Seeing You review in there this week. Just the stuff that you need to know about if you want to keep current. It's in there. It's just like the old news segment, but now it's there for you to peruse and not to have to listen to me read it to you, which I'm very, very thankful for. But there are things that happen in the news that are important, important enough that we reach out. And one of those things is the Without Walls Festival is coming back this year. It's a biennial festival that happens in San Diego out of the La Jolla Playhouse. And we had the brand new festival director, Mei-Yin Wong, come in and we, we interviewed her over the internet. So it's not the world's greatest connection, but... I wanted to have her tell you about what is going on and what the festival is and what to expect out of this year's festival. So let's roll that tape. For those who don't know what the Without Walls Festival is, uh, could you tell us about it? Sure. Uh, Without Walls Festival was started in 2013, and it's uh, produced by the La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego. It is a site-specific, immersive, participatory, experiential uh, performance festival that happens biannually in October. And, um, you know, people go, you know, what is site-specific? What is participatory? What is immersive um, theater? And I was like, it's just theater. It's just people uh, using different forms uh, of um, performance and uh, audience relationship, uh, object theater, to uh, tell a new story and create a new experience. What should people be um, expecting out of this year's edition of the festival? Well, uh, the thing that's different about this year's um, edition of the festival is that uh, we're going to downtown San Diego. So for the previous two editions, we were at um, on campus in, uh, at UCSD and the Hoya Playhouse. And this year we're bringing it all downtown. So we're going to be having performances at the San Diego Central Library in the Barrio Logan, Logan Heights area, in the Gaslamp, um, Gaslamp area, and um, and other places. And we have relationships and partnerships with um, the New Children's Museum, uh, with the library, with the Parks Department. So it's a whole different um, environment in which we're playing in. We also have um, backup at UCSD, our power is going to present uh, Trisha Brown's In Plain Sight. And Trisha Brown, for those of you who might or might not familiar, is a 
pretty major American um, choreographer who passed away this year. Um, but her company is doing um, a series of uh, site-specific dance performances. Well, that's fantastic. Um, now, you were with Under the Radar Fest before you came over to um, Without Walls, but I wonder if you could kind of share just a little bit about your background in in theater and, and how you wound up with WOW this time out. Sure. Um, I uh, was actually born in Singapore and I came to uh, the U.S. for college. And after college, I went straight to New York and uh, found the public theater and the Under the Radar Festival. And I was with them for... Uh, 12 years, basically. I trained as a director and a writer, um, but kind of found my calling in this sort of third column of being, a, I don't know, an enthusiast, a programmer, an arts administrator. I really sort of love this idea of, um, instead of making theater, you know, making a space for people to make theater. Yeah. Uh, and so I was there for, I was the co-director of Under the Radar for the last couple of years. And um, for... Uh, with with the family sort of moved decided to move out west. Chris Ashley was the artistic director of uh, La Jolla Playhouse, who I knew from before in my, in my days you know, wandering around. Um, just basically called me and was like, "I hear you're moving to California." I'm like, "Yes, I'm moving to Berkeley." And he said, "You want to come and run this festival?" And I was like, "Berkeley's nowhere near San Diego, but I am." <laughs> Um, and so uh, that that's what happened. They uh, the Playhouse has, has um, you know uh, welcomed me with open arms, uh, and it's been great. It's a biennial festival, so I'm able to um, sort of hop back and forth. And uh, I'm actually moving to San Diego in mid July, up till the festival. Oh, well, so you're gonna you're gonna be on the ground that entire time during the yeah. during the build and the setup. Exactly. What do you, what do you look for when you're when you're looking at site specific pieces or immersive pieces? What is it that you're looking for to program? Because you're gonna be doing this hopefully for a while, and I think there's a lot of creators out there who would kind of love to know what piques your interest. Um, I think that pieces that kind of make up its own rules are always the most exciting to me. Like pieces that are um, they're looking at a particular idea or site or story or body so intensely and specifically that it creates a, a new form that is surprising or adventurous. That's always very appealing to me. Um, you know, uh, I respond to whatever is going out there. I try to see as much work as, as possible or take a look at what people send me. Um, for this first festival, my thought was really trying to uh, respond to what was going around in, in the world. Um, so this is, I don't program thematically, but one of the things that's kind of emerging is this idea of, of home. And so with Mimi Land's piece, which is going to be a visual arts installation, um, in the middle of a Horton Plaza Park, uh, literally she's building these model homes, like little homes that people can come in and out of and have interactions with. Um, you know, uh, with... Uh, sledgehammer, um, they're doing in the construction with Chuck, Chuck Me, and they're trying to put together kind of a meal in which um, a performance happens around them. And, and it's really a conversation about where we are, um, very immediate, like where we are in the world. And so uh, I guess I'm not looking for anything uh, that I have sort of in my mind already. I think the thing that I respond most to are things that 
have a lot of um, urgency and integrity and it's surprising. Yeah. That's, I think that's what a lot of the immersive folks are always kind of hunting. It's like there's this question in our heads that has almost no set answer. It's just what is the thing that's going to, that's going to surprise me? What's the thing that's going to make me feel like I haven't been here in this moment before? So, yes. Yeah, like a revealing about yourself or the participant or this space, right? I think a lot of immersive theater is about like what sort of special thing can I unlock in a way? Yeah, no, that that the unlocking, the uncovering of, and that it's funny because that bleeds into all sorts of sort of subgenres that have emerged. But at its heart, it really is about this unlocking. So I love that. Well, hey. For everyone who doesn't know, uh, remind remind them when the festival's uh, going to be popping up. Sure. The festival is going to be October 19 to 22nd, 2017, coming up this fall in San Diego. Fantastic. I will definitely be there, and I will see you there at that show. Great. And if you want to find out more information about Without Walls Festival, you can find the full press release, which went up at nopersinium.com this week. I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record. But I'm a broken Nine Inch Nails record, so I'm rad. Um, that one goes out to Brian Bishop. Um, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm glad you're having fun in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. A focus, Nelson. Ugh, focus. This is no proscenium. There's no focus here. Actually, there is. There's focus. There's our main interview, which is coming up right now. Vinny DePonto. Uh, I had, um, I mentioned this a little bit in the interview, so I won't go too far. Uh, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Vinny at a, a workshop event that was put together by Oculus, the VR people. This is back in October. And I got to see him perform a, a good chunk of his show, uh, which I then also just this past week got to see. He was in Los Angeles. Uh, he does a show called Mind Reader. Uh, and I don't want to spoil everything. We, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, what he does in his day to day. But um, Vinny was there not just to like, you know, show off. Uh, and, and the dude can show off like he's really incredible. Um, I just want to say that uh, as a performer, he's fantastic. Um, he was there to talk about uh, magic and designing in VR, telling stories in three-dimensional spaces, telling stories uh, that sort of hack the brain. Uh, And I knew right then and there that if he was ever in Los Angeles, I had to have him on the show. And the fates decreed he was going to be in Los Angeles. And so here we go. Here you are. And uh, there's there's a little more scaffolding on this, but we're going to play that music and you're going to settle in. And I hope you enjoy this. Eh, I know you will. Vinny, thanks for coming over to the kitchen table. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's how I refer to it now. Uh, <laughs> no, no artifice here on the show anymore. Um, maybe we'll get back to Think Tank at some point. Um, <laughs> so, Vinny, you are a, a mentalist. That's right. Uh, which other, which people might also know by what actually the name of your show, which right. is is a mind reader. A mind reader. Yeah. All right. So, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what I'm thinking. I'm not going <laughs> to. It's too late. There's no, I already know everything. <laughs> you've been here for a couple minutes. Uh, oh, he, I, you know, that's the funny thing is I haven't even been thinking about the fact that like that you may have set me up for something <laughs> this entire time. 
I've been I've been running my mouth and keeping my eyes closed. So hopefully <laughs> Vinny can't get me. But Vinny, I met um, last year. That's last year. Last year. Last um, year. It was October. So it was. It was a different lifetime ago. Yeah, um, that's right. Um, <laughs> when the world was a happy place. Yeah, just a week a week before the changes started. Um, and it was Oculus had teamed up with Kaleidoscope. Oculus mm-hmm. being the VR folks teamed up with Kaleidoscope uh, to do a, a dev lab for uh, VR content makers, both right. 360 video and, and a, you know video game type engine things. And they brought... They brought you in to talk about mentalism and magic uh, in regards to uh, designing immersive experiences for digital. So much fun. But you also, um, you've you've worked with Third Rail Projects in in the past Mm -hmm. on on a couple of shows now. Um, So you've been tied up in the the immersive world for a bit. But um, where I want to start with Mm -hmm. is with mentalism and with magic and... This part of this, I knew you were coming to town, and then uh, Mike Fontaine of My Haunt Life started talking to me about you know how he's been seeing a lot of uh, immersive uh, magic shows at Fringe because sure. he's also a big fan of magic, and he he was feeling that well, you were telling me before that he was feeling something that is a line you say yeah, all the time. I which say is, it all the time, which is magic is the first immersive theater. Um, yeah, and I it just it's one of those things that can't happen without an audience, right? I mean, that's kind of what immersive theater is. It's um, is your choices and and you you being there is affecting the entire production, and so that's kind of what happens with magic and, and mentalism as well. So that yeah, I say that all the time. In fact, I joke with with Zach about it from from Third Rail and you know, that magic. I've been doing this centuries ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and let's let's. Let's get into the dirt here a little yeah. bit on this, right? So, um, I mean, I definitely, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I think when when I was talking with Mike, I said like it's almost like the er immersive, right. right? Right, of course. You know, like it's and that without, and this is something I really feel, without magic, without the the art of misdirection, you can't have immersive. Sure. Um, so, what principles transfer? over yeah. from magic to immersive. I think specifically when I say magic is the first immersive theater, you know, I'm in the subset of magic that has to do with all of the psychological tricks, all the mental tricks. So, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I need an audience for, right? So the show you saw a couple of days ago, uh, if that w- didn't have an audience, I couldn't actually move move the show forward um whereas chair number four yeah what are you exactly, right now? Exactly. i think you're thinking of a chair or maybe a butt that's not getting chair. anything um yeah it was sort of so but we're in magic i mean you there are bits of magic that you can perform for an empty room i mean it's because it's more visual based right, right. i'm not saying all magic but um a lot of the illusions and sleight of hand um of course requires some participatory um and interactive uh things but but most visual magic can be performed uh in an empty room and uh there's a bit of a, a bit of a one hand clapping tree falling yeah, in the forest right yeah, if exactly. an illusion occurs when there are no eyes to right. see it did it <laughs> actually it, occur yeah. at all is it still an illusion because the magician knows I mean, that's, that's that's almost like is like a zen cone like the magician knows exactly what's going on if the sure. magicians are the only eyes that are there yeah right like they don't know, right. right? They don't know if it actually worked unless sure. there's someone to validate. Well, that's sort of why practicing magic and and uh, and trying to rehearse it is kind of useless without an audience. Mm. It's actually why uh, 
a couple of uh, my peers have have when, when I was kind of growing up and, and practicing has said you know don't practice in front of a mirror practice in front of a camera so you kind of get the perspective of an audience rather than just the mirror image and you know also test out as much material as possible um, and that's kind of um, been the process at least my experience with immersive theater which has been like we need to put bodies in in the room to figure out how this whole thing <laughs> plays out we can't just you know, we can't just do it for a few people. We need the exact amount of people that we need to, to do it for. Mm. Um, and we need to do that many times in, in order to refine it. So, yeah, so that's a lot of similar things. I think um, certainly the practice and, and rehearsing of it, the participatory and interactive elements are very similar. And also what you mentioned, which is like the misdirection um, and illusion aspects, Um you know, immersive theater in a lot of ways subverts your expectations of the, you know, of the actual proscenium kind of fourth wall situation, which in a lot of ways, so does magic. I mean, really good magic does that, um, kind of gets under your skin and, you know, into your head, which is great. Yeah. What, what drew you to the practice in the first place? Well, um, when I was a kid, my dad had the shoebox from his grandfather everyone has kind of a, a grandfather story but this is actually legitimate um and i never got to meet my grandfather he he passed when my when my father was really young and my grandfather did magic as a hobby and so he had these old um tricks and uh, jokes and ephemera from the 1930s and 40s and with no instructions they were sort of just there in the box sitting there and my dad who was terrible at it he had this one trick down he you know he put um my my aunt's cigarette into his fist and made it disappear you know he kind of put it out trying to get her to stop smoking at the time so <laughs> um so he did that and i was amazed and he wouldn't tell me for weeks and weeks how to do it and then finally he kind of revealed uh, the effect and uh, and I was amazed I was I you know I'm just I'm seven years old six or seven and I'm just kind of forming my ideas about the world and the fact that you could do something that was this amazing you know possess this power was really um, I was really curious about this whole thing so I got all of these you know this shoebox of stuff and started practicing and come you know every Thanksgiving I did a show for my family I would sell, I would trade tickets for cranberry sauce and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and do this, you know, do this show in my basement, uh, for my whole family, which was really fun. So I'd spend the year, you know, looking forward to doing it and oh, wow. practicing and, you know, that's like a monastic pursuit. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. a whole year for one show. Yeah. It's like Louis C.K.'s comedy writing. That's right. Time, yeah. You know? It's like a year for an hour. Exactly. Um, and I would always uh, open with my closer from the previous year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so, so you, you, you were the family magician yeah. and carrying on the legacy of your grandfather's box. Right. And, and, was that just straight line through to becoming a professional or was there, was no, there a I mean, crisis at some point? Or? <laughs> What's the story? The crisis here? was yeah. uh, the teenage years. No, yeah. um, I think I, you know, I kind of, it was one of my hobbies. Uh, you know, there were other things. I, I really loved puppetry for a while. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of that. I was doing, I really wanted to be an actor. Um, so I kind of, I did a lot of those things. Um, and then sort of in, I guess, middle school I did this talent show um, that a few friends encouraged me to do and I 
and I did it and I got on stage and I I remember getting off stage and just sort of not remember any I didn't I sort of like blacked out on stage it was fine but like I, I watched the video over now and I'm like who is that person who went on stage but um I, I won the talent show, which was sort of for a 12 year old was like this big <laughs> kind of accomplishment. And you I got just a talent show. When yeah. you hear people. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just, I was really kind of, you know, just thinking like, I really love this. Um, I really want to do it. And then my dad's friend hired me to do his daughter's birthday party who was around the similar, you know, around the same age. And, uh, and then, so I was, I had to put together this act for this birthday party and, uh, for, you know, these 20, you know, 12 year olds or however old they were. And, uh, I remember like (laughs) struggling to put this like act together and I I did it. And then afterwards, um, he paid me 50 bucks and a light bulb just kind of went off and I was like, what if I just kept doing this? And then I think my dad said at one point, okay, well, I'm not buying you any more props (laughs) now, now you just made your your money so go go and fund your own oh your dad's like the nea That's <laughs> oh you, you you've actually taken real money in so you don't need our support anymore exactly. um welcome to sustainable arts living uh, <laughs> it was a good lesson though it's a good uh, lesson because yeah. he you know i it encouraged me to put make do more shows put up flyers around town and get hired for birthday parties and do more shows and um, which paid off. I mean, wow. in high school, I got to, you know, uh, I got to do, I was working almost every weekend. I was doing tons of shows. It was great. Wow. Yeah, it was really great. So what what led you to working with, with Third Rail? Like, how did, how did that leap come around? Yeah, I think, you know, probably about 10 years ago, I became really interested in mentalism specifically. So I sort of have a background in magic and stage magic. And mentalism sort of, um, in college I studied uh, psychology, so that was sort of a a good fit. Um, And pursued that uh, more heavily in, in my act. And then about five years ago, I sort of just transitioned to full mentalist. Uh, and for a couple reasons. One, um, it's just a subject I'm a lot more interested in, mm. just because it's a little bit more personal to the audience. It's way more interactive, and it uh, it uses some of my sort of acting and improv skills to just be present on stage. Um, so all of that is to say uh, I was doing all of that. I was doing shows at the time. Uh, this was maybe three years ago now, and then... Um, I saw Then She Fell, and I just, that was actually my first immersive mm. show that I saw, and really just taken back by all of the sort of similar elements, and so found out who um, Zach and Janine and Tom were, and... Um, what, what were the similar elements for Well, you? I mean, obviously, uh, for me, the, the aesthetic elements were very similar. At right. the time, I really felt like, oh, I really love this sort of, this world, and the, the sort of magical, you know... Um, first of all, the costumes and the set and everything was really, really amazing. But um, but also just that sort of personal one-on-one interaction felt mm. really great. Um, and they really embrace the um, uh, embrace your own imagination, right? So feel free to look through the books and do and and that sort of that freeness kind of really resonated with me. Um, so I met Zach actually. Uh, my my girlfriend at the time was was uh, doing this thing I think at Gibney Dance or or something like that. But they were having like an open 
um, meet the artist, meet the founder, whatever it was. Uh, so I signed up, met Zach, had a conversation with him. Uh, we really hit it off, and uh, I invited him to a show I was having in Brooklyn, uh, and he came, and we just kind of kept the conversation going. Um, <clears throat> he wanted to, I was telling him about how I really wanted to do a magic immersive show, or at least infuse magic into immersive theater. And uh, he became really interested in that, so he, we worked on the show in Denver called Sweet and Lucky. Right. Um, and he wanted like two or three magic bits, because that whole show is based on time, and traveling through um, this couple's timeline, essentially. So... Um, things had to reverse certain things that were broken had to be restored and so we created you know a few effects for that show which was very fun um, and yeah this kind of went from there now this new show ghost light which is very much based on ghosts and, and spirits that are haunting a theater um, there's a lot of room for magic in this show and we have put uh, you know quite a bit of magic in which is which is really exciting now how how do you control like having not had the honor of seeing Sweet and Lucky and, and yeah. getting to listen to everyone else go to Ghostlight. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know if those, if those, because one of the things about Third Rail shows is that because you are tracked, you know, if, if nothing else, you can often know where the audience is seated. Right. Um, or, or standing, like they're, they're placed. But there's there's a little bit of wiggle room there. But mm-hmm. like when when constructing these, these bits, and I'm not asking for secrets, but like, sure. Um, you, how do you go about approaching an immersive, particularly as, as people get more kind of, um, it, you know, indoctrinated into what immersive is and the, and a bit of the idea of, you know, having the freedom, you know, the six degrees of, of motion of freedom, as they sure. say in VR. Um, <laughs> how do you do you do you have to control for that or do you do you design with that in mind? Like where where's this, this gets to that heart of that you know yeah. question of magic being the initial, you know, the er immersive, the, the original immersive you know, there, there's the interactivity layer, but there's also, there's agency on the part of the audience. Sure. Sure. How, how do you deal with that tension? Yeah, I mean, you do have to design with that in mind. But it's it's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario. So, like, um, I think the very first thing that Zach mentioned to me was the sort of this retrograde party, which without giving anything to anything away it's uh, there are essentially some things that happen in reverse in this scene and so that was sort of the the starting place of like okay well how can we do a couple things to just sort of add to that illusion um uh and then the questions kind of with any production but specifically with immersive and uh for magic is where is the audience how many people because it's all about like angles and where people are seeing things from and like how close are they and like do they get to touch the props or do they have to walk past them what's you know what are all of the so it's actually really difficult whereas a magician on stage knows that he he or she has the separation of the audience and and magicians so they they create for that that viewing point that perspective whereas this is like you know, there's a scene, you know, this, for instance, this party scene, it's like we're seeing it from above. So that kind of creates this whole uh, challenge of like, how do we make stuff that works uh, for that, for that crowd, mm. um, or for that, for that perspective. So it's, yeah, it is really challenging. It's, but it's really fun to, to think about how to take stage tricks and, and sort of adopt them and adapt them into these scenarios. Now, can the same be done or would it even be? Would it be easier or harder when it comes to pulling mentalism into this kind of work? Yeah, it's a little tricky. I think magic's a little easier just because it's visual. 
But we did talk about a mentalism effect that eventually got cut um, for the show. But um, I, I I only say it's harder because it's a little bit more process heavy. So there's mm. so it's like give me something of yours and we'll put it with some you know like for instance uh, give me a word like ten people put a word in a box and we uh, take it out and make an exquisite corpse kind of thing right so we kind of uh but that was predicted or something or that was the scene that you're about to see next or mm. so it's like it's that was actually the scene that, scene that got cut so it's really nice because um you know it's like didn't i just think of that thing and now it's being played out in front of me minutes later i mean mm. presumably this thing had to be rehearsed right and so there's a lot of questions there but it's also very mentalism is kind of process heavy you kind right. of have to like know that the mind reading is happening in a way or else it's um kind of invisible it's kind of just assumed to be a you know a, a theatrical trick which is great um and that's actually what zach and i talk ab- about a lot is how do we make magic not the um spotlight of the scene but how do we make it invisible mm. so kind of magic without the magician so like in the sweet and lucky show the effect was i don't know if you saw it but the effect was an actor Um, picked up a glass, broken glass dish that was a candy dish that was on the floor, put it in a box, kind of shook it around and gave it to somebody. And this person kind of shook it around and there's all these pieces in this box. And then they uh, took this person through time, back 20 years, um, to uh, the same house, but 20 years ago at Christmas. And uh, you open the door and uh, the woman... Uh, the, the mother character or the female character takes the box and says, oh, thank you so much for the gift and opens it up and it's a brand new candy dish. <sighs> Even though you've been holding the, the box the, the whole time. time yeah. And then the scene progresses uh, into a fight between her and her husband and he throws the candy dish and it crashes all over the floor. And we sort of see the cycle of how the candy dish was gifted and broken and gifted and broken it sort of goes in that loop oh my god (laughs) so that's not a magic trick i mean it is right it's it's a story trick but it's but it's without the flair exactly without the flair so that's kind of the biggest challenge is is sometimes in my magic brain i'm like yes but this has to be this big thing but then but then i go oh no actually it's just this invisible thing that maybe five people will clock you know what i mean well but and it becomes like a it becomes like a special effect, right? right? Exactly. Like there's there's a way when it, when I first heard about the candy to dish, um, piece from there, I, yeah. I thought oh, that's kind of brilliant. We're taking magic, and we're using it as the special effects yeah. for immersive theater or for theater in general. Like almost to the point where I'm like, you know, and I think this has always been a case where like magic gets used as a special effect for a theatrical production, but that that conversation doesn't happen all that often yet what was it a couple of years ago what was it like Penn directed a version of like um, oh teller yeah no teller was it teller? directed yeah, teller direct that's right it was play teller. dead are you talking about or no but you know the tempest tempest yes when he did the tempest yeah because right? he did play dead but like this the, yeah he did the tempest yes and so and of course that makes so much sense right because yeah. it's like hi prospero magic sure teller duh yeah you know. <laughs> was also involved i think which is that um you know, acrobatic dance company. Um, yeah. And I uh, heard about it too late to see. And I Aaron was like, Posner, no, yeah. why didn't I not know yeah, going on? My buddy Nate Dendy was one of the leads in that show and he's an incredible uh, magician. He's his sleight of hand is just impeccable. And he's, and so he was one of the leads and he just 
was telling me about all of the amazing things they did in that show. Yeah. And it's, it's just great. It's just the perfect fit, you know? There's a little bit of renaissance oh, yeah. that's going on in terms of legit theater and and magic yeah. kind of rekindling a romance. We've got yeah. Teller doing what he does. Right. We've got, like, Der- what is it, Derek Delgado's... Uh, right. Um, oh, God. Um, uh, in, oh, in, 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 in of itself, in of which itself. was here in L.A. and then it was in New York. Right. And so it's the stuff is starting to, like, yeah. kind of come back into the popular consciousness. Yeah, and Derek is um, is kind of subverting the sort of narrative of, of magic, too, and, and kind of breaking uh, the fourth wall in a lot of ways and um, having people leave the theater and come back and sort of having the, the show continue on after the show, which is all very clever. So if you haven't seen it, I yeah. definitely should. But um, And Darren Brown is also a, a kind of a big player right now. He's at the Atlantic currently in New York, and uh, that show is just incredible. Um and uh, yeah, it's re- it's really nice to see magic um, kind of evolving. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's been so long. It's been centered around uh, here's this amazing performer, uh, and let's go see this performer perform. But right. this idea that you know with the work you're doing with Third Rail is embedding these things into the narrative. Sure. Yeah. In a way, does it? But your instinct, you said, was like, oh, like you know, like. The instinct is to make a big deal of it. Is is it a little weird to like? Okay, I'm gonna make this invisible. I'm gonna take the art and like hide it. Is that I mean, frustrating? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think you're kind of hitting on something about special effects, which is that the special effects should should seem invisible. They should just seem like normal things that happen. I think the difference with magic is that um, it's it's not it's not a thing to just accomplish something. It's a thing to elicit wonder. So mm. so it is invisible because we're not hanging a lantern on it but it's but when you th- go back and think about it you're kind of like but wait <laughs> you know it's like one of those like hang on a second that candy dish was broken when i was holding it <laughs> you know so you may think about you may come back to it later yeah uh, which is really fun um so we wanted to i did my show charlatan in 2014 and we wanted to the whole show was about being either a liar or a charlatan or a mark right you're either mm. a mark or a, or a liar and how you're the you play those two roles for yourself so my director and writer and i had this idea of like wouldn't it be great if everyone walked out with an x on their on their body somewhere mm. on their hand or whatever and the reason being because the mark comes from the term from from the circus right so or from the the um uh, sideshow or coney island kind of that era and basically what it is is uh, the uh, barker would see that you have a lot of money in your wallet, right, that you were like a punter who had a lot of money. So dip his hand into his pocket of mm-hmm. chalk and then draw a little X on your back so that when you're walking through uh, the other, you know, carnival uh, barkers would see that you're the guy to kind of pull in to waste a lot of money on the games, right? <laughs> so this idea of Mark um, creating the Mark. So we wanted to have everyone have an X on their hand. So at the very end of the show um, – there's a sign that says, look at the back of your hand and all these black lights go off and the theater goes black and everyone has a big X on the back of their hands. And I had a woman come up to me after the show and go, I, at intermission, I washed my hands and I came back and I still had an X on my hand. I have no idea what happened. So I love this idea of like, how do we get, how do we invade each and every audience member's personal space in a sort of, you know, a, yeah, a nice way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was a, a pretty big challenge, but a fun one. Yeah. You studied psychology in in college. I did, yeah. And and that got you helped hone your interest in in, in mentalism. What is it about 
the human brain and this sort of the gaps in our perception that leads to the this experience of wonder mm. well i mean what is it about the brain i mean i think we kind of especially the modern brain i think we kind of seek out wonder more often because we know so much now right we have the sort of the dictionary of everything in our pockets right so we can we know so much information now that i think the experience of immersive theater or um arg or you know magic is something that people really want um and i think a lot of people are really timid about and uncomfortable and want to you know just hide in a in a regular theater you know disappear and then that's fine but i think but there is a need there. there is a need i think a lot of people are really wanting that sort of extra personal layer of of wonder in a way and i think all of that has to do with just communicating with another human being i think a lot of communication now happens in this kind of faceless world and i think wanting to go interact or look into another performer's eyes or experience this kind of really deeply personal piece of wonder or piece of theater whatever it is um is something that is um is something that people really want right now um whether that's conscious or subconscious but i i think it's a i think the need is is pretty big and that and this is partly why i think technology won't ever replace magic i think you know there's that arthur c clark quote which is like I'll botch this up, but but magic, uh, great technology is in, indistinguishable yeah. from magic or something like a, that. You a, know, any advanced technology, any advanced technology, is right? Indistinguishable from magic. Which yeah. you know, it's hilarious because every um, tech you know mogul wants to you know quotes that because they want to relate tech to magic. You know, that's yeah. kind of the, yeah, uh, and it's just kind of this funny quote to me because I I don't think. I think technology can be magical, but I don't think it's magic, right? I mm. think, you know, experiencing magic will never go away. I think it's just like experiencing a great story, yeah. right? You just, you can never replace that. Because like, and then maybe it's to the heart of it, right? Like the this, the, that moment of wonder, as opposed to, you know, the fact that I have, I have a invisible tether to, you know, the vast majority of songs right. available at any given time, and right. I can listen to them at any given moment, is uh, doesn't feel magical most of the time. It feels completely mundane. Like right. once after the initial experience of like, wow, this is incredible. It's just beaming this in, and then after a while, you just take it for granted. Right. Whereas every time I open up the the phonograph right. and I lay the vinyl down, right. and yeah. I know that there's like a little. There's a little needle rubbing along grooves, and somehow that creates these incredibly complex patterns. And despite the fact that I know that a physical process is going on, I'm still flabbergasted because yeah. you know you look at you look at a piece of vinyl and you're like, oh, but how? And right. my entire life, I'm like, but but how? And a CD somehow a CD, the fact that it's like, well, the laser reads like bits and bobs, that makes more sense. Yeah, like, no, I, I hear what you mean. But like, yeah, it's like, how does how does this little warbling needle? You know, it's incredible. Yeah, I th I think also like that the sort of magic in that scenario is is the technique of of the delivering of the song, right? Is like, oh wow, it's amazing. Like that's you know this record can make this thing. But it's also like the magic in that scenario is the song, right? You'll you're mm. you'll never 
no piece of it, no piece of technology will change the way change the soul of a song, right? I mean, it may sound better, but when you listen to music, you're like, this is this, you know, fills my mind with whatever, you know. Um, and I think that's kind of a thing that will never go away, or at least I, I hope not. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I can't imagine it going. I mean. We'd we'd have to just become robots. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we'd have to just the, the the singularity would have to like overwrite because or we're already in it. We're already well, we Who could knows? be. Look, given the way things are going, I could totally believe we're in a very advanced. There are some weeks where I'm just like, okay, now the writers are just screwing with us. <laughs> like, like this is just like funny boys, really funny. Yeah, can you please put it back? Yeah, to this way is it was? like season five of Lost. I mean, come on, <laughs> <laughs> we got to get back to the island. Um. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, it's, it's very true. Wait, is this Lindelof's revenge? <laughs> <laughs> He's responsible. Finally, we find our villain. Um, it's the villain we always love to hate. Um, I should watch Leftovers. Um, oh, it's so good. Really? Yeah. yeah it's like really good. I, I started, and then it just—it was just too depressing for me. The first yeah, season. Yeah, it, it is depressing. And I think season two is a little a little tricky to get through, just because I changed locations, and it feels a little bit like a different show. But but Christopher Eccleston's still in it at that point. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, I love that guy. Yeah, so he was my first doctor. So you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, and season three is just like I think it just ties up so nicely, and it okay. just yeah, it feels very satisfying. Yeah. I you know I. I, I keep HBO running even when Game of Thrones isn't on. Yeah. And so I really should like take advantage of the vast amount of, of content that's available. Yeah. Um, and yet I, and I don't, um, <laughs> and let's not even talk about Showtime and Twin Peaks. Um, <laughs> this, this is not, this is not that show. Uh, we're officially, officially off track. Um, Vinny, uh, what, what's, What's your future here? You've got you just brought Mind Reader to Los Angeles, so I'm curious because you kind of have two tracks in your career right yeah. now. It seems there's there's working as a performer, as a mentalist, and then there is designing these these this, the part of the immersive design yeah. for for production. So where, where do you see yourself? This is like a good uh, uh, job interview. Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, but like, what, what's the path yeah. here for you? So I, I there is those kind of two defining paths. I pursue doing stage shows on my own. So um, I'd really like to do another off-Broadway show. I think that'd be really great. And the show is actually kind of written already. Um, and uh, hopefully later this year it can be produced. I mean, it's, it's very hard to produce anything in, in New York as far as theater is concerned. But that's especially magic because uh, people always have this, you know, weird notion of magic, this cliche of magic, although not so much now considering there are two major off-Broadway shows in New York, which is great. Um, so I'm really pursuing that, sort of my my one-man show, uh, which is not a one-man show at all, big crew, but, you know, me on stage, a uh, one-man show. Um, and then the second one is, the second, sort of second path is this magic immersive path. And, um, you know, we have the Hollywood Magic Castle out here, which is really great. I really love the castle. I think um, it's it's a really great setting for magic. I think I have a a couple little issues with it from a, a theater background, which is that waiting in line and 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 all of that kind of build up. To, it just is never really kind of fun for me. So mm-hmm. I a couple years ago, um, well, actually th- almost three years ago now, kind of had this idea to combine immersive theater and sort of a mecca of magic which doesn't exist in new york you can't 
I mean, there's a, a maybe a handful of shows that you can see now, some of which are going to be closing in a few weeks. But when people come into town, there's not a, a whole lot for me to, to recommend to go see. Mm. Um, and so you have these magicians kind of performing in these venues that are, are fine. Like uh, we have a, a space called The Slipper Room, which a couple of uh, friends perform in, and it's a really beautiful room. But it's also kind of like these sporadic burlesque shows that, that magicians perform in or like, you know, these strange um, kind of corporate shows that, that we perform in. But there's no like, there's no house of, of magic in New York, which I really would like to create. So a few years ago, I, I sat down with a couple producers and kind of uh, formulated this this Magic Castle East. Uh, it has nothing to do with the Magic Castle, but it's the easiest way I can explain it. And the idea is that it's a... It's a show that you go see, and there's six different tracks, at least right now there is. Um, and there's just, you just see magic along the way. There's no waiting in line. There's no, there's also equally no introductions. There's no like, and ladies and gentlemen, now here's Vinnie DePonto. It's, uh, you're in a room with a guy who's, you know, polishing his shoes, and then something happens. Mm. Uh, or, you know, you go downstairs to the, to the bar, to the speakeasy, and uh, a close-up magician comes and sits down with you and your friend and shows you something. Um, or you see a dove act in the middle of a hallway. And, and so I'm really interested in how the set, the setting changes magic in a lot mm. of ways. So rather than just seeing magic on stage, what if there was a, a dove act in a hallway and you, you were seeing him, you know, 20 feet away and he was producing all these doves and, and how does that change your experience of magic? Have you been to the Black Rabbit Rose? I've yeah. heard a little bit yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah which is like not, a magic bar, right? Yeah, it's kind of, and it's, yeah. Not, it's not anything, it's not nearly as elaborate, but what I was impressed by when I went, uh, it was like a going away thing for, for, for a friend, Yeah, uh, was that... Like I had always imagined that the castle was going to be one way, right? And and it was it was another way, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, of uh, course. Without it, I mean, look, look if if you've got oh, it's if, amazing. If you have the smallest inkling of this nerdetry, right? Like <laughs> then the castle was like freaking amazing, right? right? right like I'll right. never ever have anything disparaging to say about the castle on that level. Um, and yet, what what your imagination runs wild because you start imagining well they have this building so they could do like anything right. and like. And I guess the Houdini seance really like gives you that experience. Yeah. And I have not done the Houdini seance and someday right. I will. And I know that my friends at a uh, room escape artists, like they just came into town to do like they booked it, right? Sure. You know, like bought a bunch of friends booked it. Yeah. But black rabbit rose, it was almost like, is what if there was a magic show at the Tiki room in Disneyland without right. all the damn birds? <laughs> uh, because, and I say that for a very specific, there's a, there's a specific gag in there that reminded me of the Tiki Room, but also just like the whole space uh, of the, the theater space in there is alive. And then there's like mm -hmm. a magician performing like on stage. Right. But then there's just, the things can happen from like any angle. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, to actually be surrounded by, by magic. I mean, you know, at the castle, the castle's great. It is, to me, sort of a parody of itself now. I mean, it, it's great, like, to, when people see it for the first time, they're like, Irma can play any, you know, tune you want. But in a way, it's sort of like, well, I love that. What is the sort of New York um, kind of storyline, narrative-driven yeah. version of that? Um, or even just, like, what the next generation is. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. The thing about exactly. running something like the castle is, like, it works, and it draws totally. people. And, like... To like to do anything majorly different there right. would like 
bring the whole thing crashing down to its yeah. knees. Like it's it's a machine, and once you've built a machine, it's got to run. Exactly. And what was really interesting about about Black Rabbit Rose was that one of the people performing there was uh, Liberty Larson. Oh yeah. Uh, who's you know from the family who sure. w- w- yeah. created and owns the castle. So it's like there's that desire is not gone away. The desire to innovate, the yeah. desire to keep on changing things, right? You know, and and I feel like from from just being like you know, three degrees, you know, to the to the left or right of of that world. Seeing that there's there's this this hunger to innovate to answer that question like what is what is the next generation of it what is the thing that that takes it to like can we add a storyline to yeah. it what can what can we do here to 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 make it pop yeah and that's something that they don't literally don't have to do at the castle because the sure. castle could just be the castle for yeah, the, the next castle, hundred years exactly. and it'll be fine exactly well I mean they're also appealing to a you know a you know, not the theatrical crowd so much. Right. They're appealing to like, you know, the VIP members only. You know, um, which is which is great. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of. The, it's still funny. Like people are like like, oh, can you get me to the castle? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're like you, like you care. You yeah, know? the range of people who care. It's like it's like, you know, it's all it's, it's like it's people going, like, can I mean, get into Soho House? You know, it's the same thing. Yeah, like, it's in the, the same, same thing. Yeah, same and breath. when you talk about like you know secrets too, like actually seeing a secret magic show or like something like that. I mean, that people love that. So uh, yeah, I totally get the appeal. You know, which is why I really want to make this thing. So we we have a venue right now, and we're just sort of you know uh, compiling and in, investing at the moment but um we're I, I've, I've paired i've hired this company called minute zero which is a really really clever uh, immersive events company so there's sort of this i do a lot of events in new york but there's kind of this thing missing which is like people who plan these events are kind of missing they, they want that kind of immersive vibe too like they want a story and because they're sort of bored of this like atmospheric band playing in the back and yeah. like you know I, I don't know, you know, caricature artists and like craft cocktail, like they're just bored of that stuff. So yeah. Minute Zero is kind of like filling this gap, which is like, we're going to, we're going to tailor, you can pick one of our kind of immersive events, which are not like these big scale things, but they, they come in with, with um, the props and the actors and everything. And they just sort of blend into your event. And it's this really beautiful idea. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I've hired those guys who um, have worked on Queen of the Night. They're sort of they all sort of acted and danced in Queen of the Night, um, and uh, and we're sort of you know we go away in a couple weeks to to go and sort of workshop this thing and yeah we're very excited about it and right. so that's kind of the second um, leg of what I'm up to but I I'm really excited about this magic thing and it may, it may be a complete failure but I want to at least try it yeah well good yeah good. I, I got a feeling it will be a complete failure. So, <laughs> got to get the investors. That's always that's, that's always, always the, the money is the is, money's a tricky part. Yeah. But um, which is ironic because there's so much of it out there, and yet uh, it doesn't flow. I know. Uh, if only the spice flowed. Um, <laughs> Vinny, thanks for being on. Thanks the show so much today. for having me. Now I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, it'd be lovely. Once again, want to thank Vinny DePonto for being our guest on the show today. You can find Vinny at, and, and don't be shocked by this one, vinnydeponto.com. I know that's, that's a lot to take in. So just, but catch up with Vinny there. You can also see his ghost, uh, his ghost, his work. <laughs> Maybe it is his ghost. You can see his work threaded into ghost light 
which is the new Third Rail Project show at Lincoln Center, uh, which hopefully gets a little bit of an extension because I know some of you are traveling out to New York later in the summer. Um, but again, we're also hoping that it travels so that I don't have to get a plane ticket anytime soon, which I just can't afford. And now let's, um, let's go to, I still don't have a name for this segment of the show. Uh, and it's going to be quick this week. Call it a status update. If you will, let's check in with Noah and how he's doing. How you doing? Uh, well, you're still talking to yourself. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, June is always a busy month and Fringe has been going full steam. It's concluding this weekend. And indeed, we've, um, we'll have some announcements over the weekend. We'll have one announcement over the weekend in that we've polled a number of, uh, other critics here in the Los Angeles area who've been to Fringe and we're going to have a little, uh, critic circle award announced. Um, there's, there's no prize with it. We just wanted to recognize some of the work that was going on this year. Um, so we're doing that. Um, that'll be announced around the time of the Fringe Awards. These are not official awards. They're not being presented as part of the Fringe Awards. I want to be very clear about that. That's not what's going on. Um, but we're we're pretty um, we're pretty happy with um, what the process has been, which was some emails went around to me. We kind of like looked at everything. It's like okay, it looks like it's going to be this. Um, so great process there. Um, and I'm I'm still tabulating, so I'm not going to announce right at this moment. Also, it's inappropriate to announce, but we'll talk about that more next week, probably in this slot. There are more festivals on the horizon. Uh, like you saw at the beginning of the show, Without Walls is coming up in October. On the East Coast in October, there's going to be the future of storytelling. Uh, always happens. That's an exciting one. So Faust has its festival angle going on. That should be early October. Uh, of course, if you're in Los Angeles during October, it's spooky season. So it's kind of a kind of a de facto festival of horror. Um, speaking of horror, uh, coming up in July, um, and I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but um, you know, haven't mentioned a lot because we've been incredibly busy. We've got a um, on July twenty no thirtieth on July thirtieth. We've got a panel at Midsummer Scream. And we're going to have uh, Anna from Shine On. We're going to have Zombie Joe. We're going to have uh, Landon from The Overlook are, are all coming. And we're talking about immersive horror, like theatrical horror with an emphasis on immersive horror. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of issues, including safety and consent is going to be one of the things that, that comes up on the panel. Just warning the panelists right now, it's going to be that. Uh, but this will be this will be a nice, uh, you know, scraping underneath the surface with a rusty old. Wait, no, I better not go there. I mean, it is a horror panel, but still looking forward to that at Midsummer Scream. Uh, check out Midsummer Scream and grab your tickets for it and check us out there. We've also got a town hall on tap. I can't announce it yet, but earlier that week in L.A., we have a town hall on target. I should have an announcement for you that week, and that's going to be free. Uh, open to everybody. It's going to be very wonky, though, uh, but I should have something to announce next week. Gonna, that's just my way of keeping myself uh, on target here. And there's just there's so much going on that I literally can't keep up with it. But as you can tell from the website, I'm super stoked in that we've got the new logo. Um, there's going to be some fun stuff coming along with that logo soon. Patreon backers, you're in for a treat. So, you know, maybe go to patreon.com slash no and become part of that. And yeah, we we want to keep doing more and more for you. Um, and, uh, that means, you know, we can use your help there. 
And also, you know, something I don't talk about a lot, but you know, we, I, me, and a few of the other writers, um, I'm sort of trying to bring them along into this, uh, who work for us at No Persinium, you know, we, oh, knock the microphone, sorry everybody, uh, not going to edit it, we, I do some consulting work around. Um, I don't, I'm, I feel weird talking about it. Um, I, I don't like to make a big deal about the stuff we do behind the scenes as part of this part of the show, but the educational stuff we're doing with the workshop that we're hap- that's happening on the 16th of July, you know, this is just the, this is the first of us sort of like stepping out and sort of showing the kind of work we've been doing behind the scenes for a few years now. Um, and it's work I'm proud of. Uh, you know, the other night I was referred to as a community organizer when I was at the fringe, uh, during live band karaoke, uh, to which I responded, uh, it's a euphemism. Uh, if you want to see that performance, because yes, I performed at the fringe for live band karaoke, you can check out my haunt life's periscope. Uh, it's also in our Twitter feed. Um, and so you can see what that was all about, but, um, it's true. It's true. Um, this is a community organizing gig. Um, and it's backed by the community. So you see, you, you hear the podcast, you see the newsletters, you see the website, you enjoy them. Just realize there's a whole bunch of work going on behind the scenes that you may not see. We were working a long time on the workshop, uh, and it's just the start of something. And I'm hoping that that expands really quickly. I have a, I have a strong vision for what I want that to be because, um, you know, it's exciting to see all this work happen. It's exciting to see the ARX form take off. It's exciting to see, uh, you know, stuff like Ghost Town Live happen at Knott's, Star Wars Land occurring, um, you know, Ghost Light appearing, seeing you, even if the reviews have been kind of shaky. Uh, I hope it really finds its legs as it goes. This this work often does. Um, just to see the work, you know, explode here in Los Angeles, to keep going strong in New York, um, not to mention London, it's so, and it's and all around, like, like Chicago has work going on and, and St. Paul and the Orlando fringe happened and there's stuff in Seattle and just here, there and everywhere. It's, it's, it's so exciting. Um, but it takes work to, to keep moving it forward and to advance the form and to open people's eyes because something that's been going on lately is, I see new communities coming in and they come in on their first show and then they think, well, that's what immersive is. And, um, how to put this gently? No. Um, (laughs) there's, this is a big conversation. And as much as I'm reluctant to often, there's a part of me that really wants to define the I word. And there's another part of me that says, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta find its own way. But with that in mind, we haven't kept the glossary at No Persinium since 2015. And I just this past week in a fit updated the I word. I updated the glossary definition of immersive that we use. And, you know, just for fun right now, I'm I'm gonna look it up and I'm gonna I'm gonna read you. Right. So no, it doesn't read the news anymore. Well, if you stick around long enough, this is for all the people who just want to leave the show. Right. You know, like you've, you've heard the interview. You don't want any of this nonsense. Here we go. Here's now, this is now my current working definition of immersive. So you can find this online, but I want to read it to you. I'm sorry, Derek. Immersive, an experience that physically and usually narratively places the audience on the same plane in which the action takes place. Inside an immersive, everywhere an audience member turns her head is part of the show. 
this may or may not include verbal, emotional interaction with characters. This is distinct from theater in the round, cabaret staging, monologues that directly address the audience, or entrances in and out of aisles. The audience is part of the world of the show, even if it is merely as a physical obstacle to the performers. In short, they are more than observers. The only real question is the degree to which they are present. Also applies to virtual reality experiences that create the illusion of physical presence. See presence below. So we updated. That's our working definition right now. Um, it's, it's permeable for a reason in that everything from Asleep No More, which is a dance theater piece where you don't have a lot of agency, all the way to an alternate reality experience where you have full narrative agency, usually as a group, over how things are going to turn out. All these things are immersive because of how they engage with you. Um, and indeed there are... There's, it's how you, they engage with you and how they bring you into the world. It's just different ways of bringing you into the world, different levels of bringing you into the world. The same way that a movie might be a comedy, it might be an action film, it might be a drama. It's going to move you in different ways, and it's going to use slightly different tools. But the structure of a movie is light projected on a screen. And the structure of immersive is a world built around and for you. Shit, I better go update the definition. On that note, let's do the credits. Music for the show, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Thank you, Chris. The logo of the show, and for no proscenium, is by Dino Nama. The support for the show is by our Patreon backers, led by Rockstar Ross Sigworth our sustaining backer. You can also join Ross if you, you hop in on the Patreon at the sustaining superhero level. Um, that's patreon.com slash You can find everything we do at nopersinium.com. That includes this podcast. You can sign up for the newsletter there. The newsletters come out all over the place. You can find us on Twitter on the regular at nopersinium. You can email us tips. Oh my God, please email us tips. Noah at nopersinium.com is how to do that. Tell us about the shows you've discovered or that you're making in your area. If you're within the sound of my voice and you know of a show that we don't know about and don't assume that we know about a show, tell us about it. I'm not going to sing that song. If you want to see me sing, that's over on the My Haunt Life Periscope. Um, there is Everything Immersive, which is our group on Facebook that you can find at everythingimmersive.com. And for those who are super, super, super immersive nerdy and who like to get ticket alerts that go out uh, on their phone, like text messages, the No Pro Slack is a great way to do that. You can either message us on one of the platforms and give us your email and tell us that you want to be on the Slack, or you can email me, Noah, at nopersinium.com, and I will get you in the Slack the Slack is really good for people who are trying to make this stuff because there's more and more designers are in there and uh, that's what's getting really excited about it. Um, fans are totally welcome as well. Uh, just like sort of the, the tenor of it goes, you know, a certain way and it is a national affair. So you'll kind of find people from all over. Um, and we're, we're just, we had a great conversation uh, about uh, consent and safety this week in the design channel over there. And I, I was ecstatic to see that. And hopefully we're going to have some of those people who had that conversation on the podcast. That's what I'm looking to have happen over there in the Slack. So yeah, that's all the channels we have. Oh my God, that's a lot. Um, 
as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've got a certain small amount of time to help out consulting things. So if, if you're looking for someone to help you, uh, you know, get your head around this stuff uh, and know, and if I can't do it, I know people who can, that's the function. If you're looking to get hooked up with that, feel free to knock on our door. We are there for you for that. Um, because gosh knows, uh, part of the reason why we're doing the workshops in the first place is to make sure that the creators, uh, that they, they have some other lines of revenue. Cause as we all know, none of us, uh, well, very few of us are getting rich. Uh, uh, on this and, uh, no one in the Southland is. So from the LA perspective, like we're still, we're still not making a lot of money. Um, but one day, one day, and of course, you know, we're just going to turn around and make better shows for you because we're crazy on that note. Speaking of shows, there's some stuff I got to go do. So next week on the show, we have an amazing conversation and I embarrass myself greatly. Uh, you're going to learn more about me than I want you to know. When we talk to John Booker, uh, who is an author and expert on uh, narrative in virtual reality and immersive, and he's a huge fan of immersive theater here in Southern California, and I always enjoy talking to John, uh, and he tripped me up. So um, get get ready. The explicit tag is going on that one, and if you ever wanted to hear me be really uncomfortable, tune in next week. Until then, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>